our heart, our intention today is to focus on the communion. And it's a special reason why we're doing this. I think it's good to do regularly. Um, Jesus said, as often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. Um, so there's not a regularity that you say, okay, it's got to be once a month on a Sunday, or it's got to be every Sunday, or it's got to be every day. There is no such prescription. However, some people consider that when you share in a family meal, particularly as they might have done in the early church, then every meal was a communion meal. Um, even to even to this very day, Jewish meals are begun when the head of the house takes the bread and breaks it. And the breaking of the bread there is the beginning of the meal. And that's the Jew Jewish context. And so anyway, the point is, is that today we do feel that it's important to break bread together and to share together in the communion. And maybe we'll do this from time to time um, wow. as part of our daily devotions. Now, a little bit of background as to why I enjoy communion and and Amanda also yes. as to be ready to say what is it that uh, you particularly enjoy and what, what where, where you're, why you're blessed in communion. I, I remember when I was a child, you know, and on into very early teens, but I'm only talking about 10, 11, 12, I lived in a city in Australia called Kalgoorlie. And um, there was an Anglican church there that our family frequented, St. John's Church in Kalgoorlie. If you've heard about it or know it, or anybody watches this recording at some stage and says, you know, you know just drop me a line, it'd be interesting, if not been there for many, 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 many years. Um, and we were church attenders uh, in that sense of the word, traditional church attenders. You know, I've been talking a lot about how we don't ever attend church because we are the church and so forth. But back in those days, traditional mentality, we would go, and it was my mother's doing. My mother was brought up as a staunch Anglican. And uh, I, I thank God that she made us go to church I got um, a Bible at the age of seven and a King James Bible. And yea, verily, it was hard to readeth, but it was a wonderful thing. And I was confirmed into the Anglican communion at the age of 10, as I was able to say my catechism. And also as a result of that, I was uh, what they called in those days, probably still do, an altar boy, a server. And what that meant is that we would serve the priest and pass him the bread, pass him the wine, all kinds of things that we're supposed to do, dressed up in, in sort of angelic clothing uh, and look like cherubs lining up at the front of the church. We were so holy, butter wouldn't melt in our mouth, except you could see the drips <laughs> in the corner of our mouth. But anyway, uh, that brought me quite close to some things which, which, appeared to me very, very sacred, very sacred. The communion servers are very sacred. And, you know, even as I talk about it now, I can smell whatever wine it was, uh, a claret, I don't know, whatever wine it was. What we have 
today Amandala is a form of communion wine from Israel, but that wine back then, I can smell it, and the little wafers, and, and always having fed on Jesus in my heart by faith with thanksgiving, always felt better, always felt stronger. And then the words of the Anglican Communion, if you remember the liturgy uh, back uh, back in those days, would be something like, hear what comfortable words St. John saith. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation of for our sins, or propitiation of our sins. I didn't know those comfortable words comfortable words and I felt strangely comforted all around that now maybe the Holy Spirit knows you know but particularly when, when we are very strong as evangelicals we say well you know until you've actually prayed the prayer of salvation you know Jesus is outside of your life um, maybe but um, I there was something about that that was maybe Jesus speaking to me pre pre conversion days. And as I was just a child, of course, I would have been under the covenant protection of my believing mother. And so good things come out of that. Now, fast forward all those years later, I have never lost this sense of sacredness and fellowship and communion that we have around the Lord's table. And I I think it was a communion service. I met Amanda at, do you, you remember that in Panton Hall? You used to be one of the faithful attenders at the Brethren Assembly where I was and you used oh, to be there. I met there. I don't know if it was during communion, but... Well, we, 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 we had communion every yes, Sunday morning. We did. So yes. it would have been, uh, that. That's that's how we met. So what does communion mean to you, Amanda? I mean, a bit, I've given you a bit of a family story, but how about you? Communion for me is really a sacred time. As we break the bread, it helps me to really focus in on Jesus' broken body and what he, why his body was broken and for whom it was broken. And likewise with the wine, it's Christ's blood. It represents Christ's blood poured out for us. And yes, my background was where we had communion every Sunday and it was always called the breaking of bread. And the senior elder or whoever he was, we didn't have we didn't have pastors per se, though they were very pastoral, but it was not um it was not a, a church setting where they ordained people. In fact they didn't believe in ordination. But they had uh, wonderful elders who looked after everyone and the senior elder would break the bread on a Sunday morning and mm. those who were believers were invited to participate. And it was a very special Sacred time, very reverent time as well before yes. the Lord. And uh, um, if I remember, it, it, there there was no set program, so it wasn't. Would you would you pray this prayer? Would you give thanks for the cup? Would you give thanks for the bread? Would you bring the word this morning? The brethren. It's totally spirit led. Yeah, the brethren, um, and okay, it, by brethren, actually, unfortunately, th this meant brethren, not sistren. So it was, it was very much down, uh, the, the, uh, side of, side of male leadership. Well, we've come a long way in our understanding of scripture since then. But anyway, the brethren, the brothers would, would be led by the spirit. Uh, they weren't charismatic. 
In fact, they were anti-charismatic, but there were some real wonderful senses of the presence of God. And of course, we, we know as Bible-believing Christians that the presence of God is brought to us by the Holy Spirit. And so it is, those are the, the kind of, um, that's the kind of background that's in my mind every time we meet and we break bread together. Um, it is a sacred, wonderful moment, but it's also, it's not a funeral service. Mm -hmm. It's not a memorial service as if you, as if you have, yeah? It's a celebration, a joyful time. Exactly. And uh, the memorial aspect of it is, is a bit like, I don't know if you remember in the book of Acts when Cornelius was being, uh, invited by the Holy Spirit to bring, uh, Peter to come and, um, uh, Peter to come and, um, uh, speak to them in Cornelius's household. And uh, when Peter got there, he said, uh, uh, Cornelius, your, your, um, your giving and your prayers have come up before God as a memorial. So the memorial is not just something that an aid de memoir, aid memoir for us to, as a memory aid for us. A memorial is much deeper than that. A memorial is there in God's presence. The rainbow after Noah's flood was a memorial. God would see that sign and would remember his covenant. And so when we say this is a memorial, God today, right now, is looking at this bread and looking at this wine. And as we participate in it, God himself is present because he's promised to be here to witness this. And this is a memorial in his presence. And he promises to act to fulfill the covenant that is symbolized on this table. Now, all of this is amazing and wonderful. The only thing that's lacking is that we're not physically together in the same place. So we have to do the very best we can today to realize that we are gathering together, distant, you know, we're not in the same location, but at least we have this opportunity through the live stream to gather together. Now, those are some of the, this is the background and why it is so special to me and to us, this whole business of communion. But here is why I wanted us to do it today. If we go to Psalm 91, now many of you will know straight away when we talk about Psalm 91, you will remember straight away, ah, that's the protection, that's the deliverance psalm. And we have been using that as a protection and as a confession of deliverance. I think you will still be able to find the deliverance uh, de declaration which I base, uh, uh, have based on this psalm on, um, on our website. You, if not, we can direct you to that and make sure it, get, it gets back up again. But what I'm going to do is read it. Would you, would you like to read it with me? Mm -hmm. uh, you, okay. So. What version are you reading? ESV. Okay. All right. And you? ESV. Oh, we're in agreement today. Okay. So let, let me read a few verses and then. You read a few verses, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. And open up your Bibles too and, re and read it with us. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, 
my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is shield and buckle. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction this that wastes. Nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be, be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a snare, a stone, beg your pardon. Um, you will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds you fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So there is so much devotional content here. I mean, it's just like nectar that we can draw from this beautiful psalm, like honey from the honeycomb, like nectar from the flowers. And this beautiful, beautiful fragrant psalm is powerful. It's not flowery in terms of mere poetry. It's powerful, powerful. And it speaks a great deal of about protection. And as a declaration over your life, you can trust God that he will keep you, that he will strengthen you, that he'll protect you. And now, as soon as we start talking, about protection. Obviously, we're thinking about the presence of God and making God your dwelling place. So if you abide in Christ, you are strengthened, you're made strong, your life is protected. And so there's a conditional element. We draw near to God and God draws near to us. Uh, and that, that's, that's the case. And uh, then if you fulfill the conditions of this psalm, you, you can be sure that your, your prayers are, are going to have extra potency in the presence of God. Uh, it's not that God will reward, your, uh, uh, reward you with answered prayer according to the level of your righteousness and holiness at a personal level. No, no, no. Our righteousness is in Christ. And that's what the communion service is all about, that we we dwell in the presence of God. We dwell under his mighty hand and he delivers us 
in his righteousness. And that righteousness, amongst other things, is the gift of God's righteousness in Christ. So we are clothed with the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our protection, not your holiness, not your righteousness. The protection is the righteousness of God. But now, when we start talking in those terms, we have got to mention the blood. We come very quickly to the blood. And this is why we're doing uh, having a communion service this morning, because we need the blood of Jesus. Oh, yes, we do. Now, what is interesting to me about this psalm is that this is a deliverance psalm and used by the Jews, particularly um, in, in the period which, which we call the Second Temple, which is right up, uh, including from the end of the Old Testament, right up to uh, uh, the hundreds of years coming up to Jesus coming in the New Testament. That's the Second Temple period. And in that period, there was so much theological development, the Holy Spirit working very strongly. Um, and many uh, amongst the scholars and the followers of Yahweh, the worshippers of Yahweh, throughout the faithful worshippers of the Lord during that time. And uh, that period of time is often called the 400 silent years because there was no prophetic scripture that was granted during that time. But the intertestamental period was a time of great revelation and development uh, um, concerning uh, many ideas, which when we come to the New Testament, we find that they are there, fully developed. And one of them is, is this topic of demonology. When you go through the Old Testament, you discover, well, there's references to the demonic here and there, and it's clear. We have the fallen angels, and, and we have many understandings of how there are demonic forces uh, at stake and and you've got the whole teaching of the fallen sons of God the the uh, Elohim that were created by God uh, spiritual beings dwelling in the spiritual realm and God being the eternal uncreated one and only uh, Elohim the Lord God who is uncreated had these and so there's a lot of teaching on that. But when it comes to the New Testament, you find, oh, there's all kinds of teaching on, on demons and, and deliverance ministry, but, but it's all rooted in the Old Testament. And this passage was a deliverance ministry passage. This was showing that there was deliverance from the demonic in Old Testament times. And that's exciting to me. Now, so do you know, for example, Verse 5, you'll not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Do you know that these are not just references to physical diseases or physical dangers? These, in Old Testament theology, and in this period of history, when the Jewish people were getting more and more understanding of the spiritual realm, as God was leading them, even through those days when there was no uh, prophetic revelation of scripture, these, these scriptures were understood to be references to the demonic. References to the demonic. And, and, and therefore, deliverance from demons is part of all this destruction. 
um, the destruction that's mentioned here is demonic destruction as well as other things. And deliverance from demons is right here, right here, right there. And this is today why we are celebrating communion together. Because we are believing God for a mighty victory in the spiritual realm. Amen. We are believing that those arrows uh, uh, that, have, uh, that have been fired against you are going to fall to the ground. And that the, the demonic activity that is very present. Now, um, we haven't spoken a great deal about this uh, because we would rather glorify God and we are glorifying God, but rather focus on Jesus rather than on the activity of the enemy. But during this time of coronavirus, there has been a, a, a huge upsurge of demonic darkness trying to enter the hearts and lives of innocent believers. And it's come in many ways through fear, if we have allowed that door to be opened. It's come through doubt, if we allowed that door to come. You know, because we know our faith is being tested. We can confess Psalm 91 every day, but that doesn't mean to say that means we will live always in divine health and no uh, a virus would protect us, would be able to uh, afflict us. Uh, we'd be totally protected. We are protected. We're protected spiritually. But we know some wonderful people have contracted coronavirus. And I'm not going to go around saying, oh, where's your faith? If you'd confess Psalm 91, you wouldn't get it. Be very careful before we make those judgments. But, but the deeper revelation of this psalm is not just protection from disease and physical danger. This is protection from the real enemy, which are the spiritual enemies who try to bring doubt, de depression, despair, anxiety, fear, and also to try and to, to, in, in, in some ways, when people, when people are feeling low, when they're feeling a bit oppressed, the last thing they want to do is to read their Bible. The last thing they want to do is to pray. And, and, and what, what then happens, they become discontented and it becomes a downward spiral, discontented. And then their ears are open to every negative insinuation that the enemy will give to them. And, you know, often it's not just the enemy has to come along and, and whisper in your ear directly. He will use people. He will use sometimes negative news broadcasts. That's nothing against the news. Uh, but if we just focus on the negative news, we're, we're going we're gonna to open our hearts to some, some kind of spirit of depression that can come in and an attitude that can grip our hearts and take us down. Sometimes it'll come through your friends and your family. Maybe you're at home living with people who don't fully believe what you believe. And they think you're ridiculous to be sneaking away with your mobile phone or a little computer and, and listening to Colin and Amanda lead you in communion. Maybe those, maybe you're being ridiculed. It can be done through ridicule. It can also be done through criticism and negativity. And, and at that time, when people are beginning to give in to the negative, what is attracted to them is yet more negativity. Did you know that? 
negativity breeds negativity. And, and people will look at you and they'll just tell, pick up the phone to you, do a Zoom to you, and can just tell straight away that you are in a negative mood and they will begin to open up about their negativity and your negativity matched with their negativity doubles negativity, it multiplies negativity. And at that moment, you are open to listen to anything that is not holy, that is not pure, that is not truthful, that is not right. And pretty soon you are joining in a process of tearing down rather than building up. Oh, friends, this is this is negative. But there's a tremendous, tremendous picture here. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, a very prophetic lady, she um, called us up a few weeks ago, not far into this earlier. lockdown. Mm -hmm. And she said, I see scores and scores of arrows flying through the air, arrows being shot at you too, arrows being shot. And she says, you know what? They're falling to the ground. Praise God. Praise God for that prophetic picture. And that's what I want you to claim for your life today. Anything that the enemy is shooting at you, depression, oppression, suppression. I always do this little speech of that compression. <laughs> All of the, and, and, and God is going to break the, ho the stronghold of the enemy. God is going to cause those arrows to return and, and rebound. They're not going to touch you. You lift up the shield of faith, not going to touch you. And don't forget, I started this little part of my presentation by talking about the blood of Jesus. And that is where I'm heading. The blood of Jesus, God's son, not only cleanses you from every sin, but the blood of Jesus is against the enemy. The blood of Jesus destroys the enemy, destroys the strategies of the enemy. And that's why we are going to be applying the blood to our lives today. The blood that it brings cleansing and the blood that brings purification and the blood that brings sanity, the blood that brings protection. We are going to apply the blood of Jesus to the doorposts and lintels of our hearts, of our minds, and also of our homes, of our family, and of our church. Amen and amen. amen. And this is what can take place in the spiritual realm. Well, I've just had a little sneaky look at the time, Amanda, but stay with us. Uh, we're, we're right through this, but this is an important moment. We're, we're, we're right to the end of what we know, the time we normally spend, but stay with us and we're going to get right down to the communion. Let me remind you, they applied the blood to the doorposts and lintels of their homes in Egypt and the angel of passed death passed over them. And this is your protection. And so let's pray. We're going to pray. Uh, I, I'll pray for both these things. And um, then what we'll do um, is just have a little look in a moment to see what prayer requests are coming and we will we'll get to those um, at least sometime today. So let us pray, everybody. You have your communion uh, uh, elements here. So, Father, we come and gather before you today. We thank you for the bread that speaks of your broken body. We thank you for the cup that speaks of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we remind ourselves that it was on the night in which Jesus was betrayed that he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And so, Father, we give you thanks for this bread. And we give you thanks for the body of Jesus. 
We feed on him in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving and we rejoice to know that we're made whole by the body of Jesus. Amen. Likewise, after supper, the Bible says that Jesus took the cup. When he, given, when he had blessed it, he said, drink this, all of you. It is the blood of the new covenant. And Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus represented by this cup, this cup of blessing, represented by this communion wine. And we thank you for the new wine of the kingdom. We thank you for the joy of partaking today. We thank you for the washing and cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. Wash us, cleanse us afresh. We turn our hearts afresh to you. We ask you, Lord, search us, try us, renew us, renew a right spirit. We walk in repentance by embracing the good things of your kingdom. And we thank you, Father, for the deliverance that is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Deliver us from the evil one, we pray, Father, through the blood of Jesus. Let every strategy of the enemy fall to the ground. Let every arrow of attack fall to the ground. Let every design and strategy and tactic of the enemy, every scheme of the evil one, fail over our lives and over the lives of every single person who is sharing today in this fellowship, in this communion, and who is also part of our wider community. We bless our household. We bless all those in our cell groups. We bless our families. We bless our brothers. We bless our sisters. We bless our enemies. We bless those who, do, who are uh, persecuting us. We bless those, Father, who are speaking evil of us. We bless those, Lord, who are opposing us. And we thank you, Father, that we are in the presence of a God who has defeated Satan and all his armies and his emissaries, and they are neutralized in Jesus' name in our lives. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. The blood of Jesus, God's Jesus. Son. Amen and amen. amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father.